Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Remember what Jesus said? If you even look at a woman or a man with lust, you've already what? And see, this we discover in the homes been going on for years. Deacons, pastors, everything's fine. No, it isn't fine. They've been living in sin. It's a disaster in their marriage. And that's why we ask you to pray for all the pastors are here. Because over and over and over and over again, since the beginning of time, we find spiritual leaders falling because they can hide it in whatever. America is saturated with sex, billboards, magazines, television, and of course, the internet. There's an old marketing saying, sex sells. It's almost impossible to live a normal life without encountering the sexualization of much of our society. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the problem that much of the Corinthian church was having. They were trying to escape the sex-oriented religions that they'd followed before coming to Christ. The solutions Paul gave them can be used successfully today. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7 with today's edition of Lessons for Living. we have a different thing. We have Gentiles in the Roman government, the Roman kind of situation. They're Gentiles and there's Jews and they're going to have mixtures of marriages. You'll see how that looks. So he says this, to the rest, I say this, if a brother, again, a believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing, that's the key, circle that word, willing. If she's willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer, and she is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. So in Paul's day, what was happening? It's not too unsimilar to many parts of the world today. In Paul's day, Paul was ministering. He'd always go to the Jews first, but often they weren't interested in listening to him. So he went next door and he began to minister to the Gentiles. Gentiles were pagans. They had no background of anything, multiple gods, all of those kind of things. So they'd become a believer. And so you're as a husband or you're a wife and you actually go home and you say to your spouse, there's this guy named Paul and I heard him teach and I believe I'm a sinner and there is only one God and I ask that God to come into my life and change me and forgive me and I'm going to serve that God and I'm going to be going to listen to Paul teach. And the spouse's reaction would be, over time, one of two things. That's fine with me. It doesn't bother me. I'm not going, but that's okay with you. I mean, even if you want to take the kids and you think that's good, that's perfectly fine with me. Or the other reaction of the spouse would be what? 
Look, that's foolishness. What do you mean, one God? There's, no, there's millions of gods. I'm not interested in that stuff. I'm out of here. So that's the two reactions. It's very similar. If you go to India today, if you go to Muslim countries and a person comes home, a little more difficult than just separate. Many Muslim people, people are killed for it. India, Thailand, you announce in your home that you're a believer. You're usually abandoned by your family. Get out of the house. Never want to see you again. Don't even know your name. Not interested in you. We don't really have that too much here. So it's hard for us. But it was very true in that day. Now, Paul responds, if, in the first case, if the person wants to remain, stay white where you're at. Now look at verse 14. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified, let me explain that to you in a moment, by his wife. And the unbelieving wife has been sanctified to her believing husband. Otherwise, your children will be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Now skip to verse 16. We'll be back to 15 in a moment. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? So what is Paul saying? Why should they remain? Why wouldn't it just be easier to go out and get a believing Gentile or even a believing Jew and be your spouse? Well, because marriage is supposed to be for life. And so the believing spouse, what Paul says is, you will have an influence in the home. And I've always taught this. If a house has believers and unbelievers, it's important that there's light in the house. It's important that there's God's light in the house. For the family, for the children, for the unbelieving spouse. This is what Paul's talking about. This influence in the home by the believer and Peter actually writes to it later, that this positive influence, the believing spouse will have upon the unbelieving spouse and the children that are in the home. Now, how difficult is it to be a believer with an unbeliever in a home? It's usually very difficult because often the unbeliever won't what? Come to church. They won't have a devotion with you. They won't pray with you unless something's a disaster, and then they'll pray. And so it's lonely. So what do you have to do when you're in that situation? Many of you are in that situation already. Don't you just trust God? God says, stay there. So Paul says, stay there. That's God's will for you. Yeah, it's difficult, but stay there. We always think if we get out of this and get to another relationship, some other woman, some other man, grass is greener. Let me just say this to you. Grass is greener, but every grass has crabgrass. <laughs> Am I right? And you're going to have to do some weeding out there too, baby. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. So there's nothing perfect because it's you and it's me. Now, look at verse 15. But why is Paul doing this? Because we know that the people wrote Paul and said, explain this to us. We don't know what to do. Isn't it good you can turn to the Bible and know what to do? This is amazing. So these, these are things Paul going, hmm, I wonder what I should write about. It was like questions from the people that had written them. What do we do in this situation? I went home and here's what happened. What do we do here? And I guess we should just divorce automatically and make sure we're going to marry a real believer. Because you're going to see in verse 39 at the end of this chapter, only marry a believer. So the unbeliever's thinking, okay, I'm a believer now. Uh, I guess I, hi, hon, uh, 
See ya. You want to become a Christian? If not, bye. That's what they were thinking. So Paul has to write and say, no, no, no. Here's how you respond. Here is the difficult one. But if the unbeliever leaves, let him or her do so. A believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. Now, the book of Romans speaks a lot about peace. The marriage is difficult, but it should be peaceable. It's a unity. Can two walk together unless they agree? Of course not. So it should be a unity. So here's number two reason for a divorce. Desertion, or you can call it abandonment, whichever word you like, by an unbelieving spouse. So what we understand here in this mixed marriage, if the one of the partners, the unbeliever, insists on leaving, then the believing partner, after some words, please don't leave. I think we can make this work. It's okay. No, I'm leaving. They leave. And the reason that God says, okay, because if the person stays, it's not going to be peaceable. It isn't going to work. And so God says, no, I made marriage to be peaceable. It's too much disaster in this world. So let that person depart. Now, when that person departs, then the Christ follower who's left in the marriage is no longer under bondage. In any of those cases where there's desertion or continuing adultery, the person says, well, forgive me the adultery, and they do it for the next five years. They're always having an affair, one after the other. Then it's fine for the believer to say, I'm sorry, I'm through. I tried everything I do. It's unsafe for me. I'm getting a divorce. So anytime there's a divorce in one of these two conditions, divorce one or divorce two, when there's a divorce, Scripture basically says this, you can get remarried. And I'll give you four instances how that looks. Now, there are some people, and let me just say this to you. All of you that raised your hand, you know that when you look at couples and the reasons for their divorce are like a million and one. Do you agree with me? It is so messy. It's not quite as simple. Well, he committed adultery. It's just not simple anymore. So usually what the pastors have to do, we obviously believe in these two. But some have come up, and it's not addressed in the Bible. We can't say, thus saith the Lord. And normally we don't really respond to the people, but we let them go back to their conscience. Because some things just aren't addressed. And let me give you an understanding of this. So we know what the two are. There's some people... Sometimes I lean toward it, but again, I let the person make their own decision. It's called constructive desertion. It means the unbeliever really doesn't want to leave for lots of conditions, but they've really abandoned the marriage. Now, I'm not talking emotional. That's another whole thing. Some spouses, when you're in this situation, all of us pastors have dealt with this for a long time. They say, well, you can't divorce me. I'm a real Christian. And if you look at their lifestyle, they are not a real Christian. Why do they want to stay in the marriage? Well, maybe the spouse makes a lot of money. There's a house. There's there's a million reasons for this. So let me just say this to you. In other words, there's some behaviors that show this person is not a believer. And the only reason they're staying is for the goodies. Let me give you some illustrations. I'll just give you a few. There's a million. And nobody knows how to really solve all this. The spouse that says this, 
I'm willing to stay in my marriage, but I'm not going to stop my affairs. What are you going to say to that? Well, I'd always covered it, number one. Bye. Because what? Is that person really a believer? No, that person. I'm a Christian, but I'm not stopping my affairs. Or it could not be a fair. I will not give up my pornography. And if our kids happen to see me, it's okay. Now, what are you going to do with that? See, I don't have a verse for that. But if I look at that over a period of time and that person says, absolutely not, what do I say they are? They're not a believer. And what have they done to the marriage and the family? They've abandoned it. They've deserted it. Now, second one. I'm willing to stay in the marriage, but you know my anger problem. I'm not going to do anything about it, but probably in the future, I'll continue to abuse you and the children. Now, stop for a moment. Why did Paul say, if the unbeliever wants to leave, you should leave? Because God's goal in a marriage is for what word? Peace. This is a very divisive thing because we have lots of churches who say this. If you ever get divorced, you can never get remarried. To the other thing, doesn't matter what they did, just as it was in Jesus' time. She cooks an omelet a little too hard, new wife. Get the softball egg out, new wife. All extremes. We don't ever tell a couple, if a woman or a man come in, and both happen, and they're physically abused, beaten up. Here's what we say. Get out with the children. Get yourself to a place of protection. Let's see if your spouse is willing to counsel. If they beat up, you know what we do? We call the police. We should call the police. God didn't design marriage to be a beat-up place. How about if they're abusing their children sexually? Well, that's okay, Pastor Mark. He's a Christian. No, that isn't right. Now, we don't have it here, but when we look at that, what would we call that? Abandonment. It's not right. They're the innocent party. Here's another one. We see this a lot today. I'm willing to stay in the marriage, but you understand, I have to use these drugs, and I'll continue to use them because that's the only way I can get through, and I will use them in front of our children. So see, it's not easy, is it? It's very difficult. But just be careful that you don't find, here's what we know with people. When people are hurting in their lives, like we all do, we're really good at trying to find a way around the Bible. Or should I say, we're very good at making excuses. So be careful. Because a lot of people say, oh, my husband, he looked at that pornography once, I'm divorcing him. They're serious, because they're unhappy in a marriage. That is not godly. But the opposite extreme, we see this. Many spouses, just because of their background, they put up with physical abuse over and over and over again in the marriage because that person says they're a believer. And I want to say to you, if you're a Christian, you would never be a physical abuser. You need to get saved. You need to get delivered. By the way, God will do it. You remember the woman Jesus met at the well? He doesn't really comment about it. I love the way he handled it. She'd been married how many times? Tell me. They were all illegal. Wrong reasons. Not even a believer. And now, what was she doing? She was living with somebody. Friends with benefits forever. What did Jesus say? You're too far gone. Sorry, can't do it. Four times is our limit. (laughs) So what did he say to her? Well, the reason you've done that is because you've never found something that would satisfy. 
I can satisfy you. I'm the Messiah. Would you like living water in you? Yeah. And I always use this because we don't have any reason to believe differently. He never went to her past. He took her there and moved forward. That's restoration from God. That's grace from God. And that's possible for anybody. Abusers, sexual predators, anybody. God can do it. So when does God allow remarriage? Let me give you four ways that I believe the scripture speaks. Number one, whenever the Bible gives permission for divorce, permission to remarry is implied. That's what we believe. Jesus never said different. He implied it that way. No longer bound. Boom, 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 boom. Number two. Of course, if your former spouse is deceased, you're no longer married. You can get married again. And we find that. You'll see that at the end. By the way, what Paul does, I don't know that I'll get to verse 39. What Paul says in verse 39, you can remarry, but you better make sure you're marrying a believer. You can't marry an unbeliever. And by the way, let me just say, those of you that are single, make sure the person is really a believer. Well, they come to church about every three weeks, and they say they are. In my opening, I do all the premarital's first premarital, then the pastors do all the rest of the things. I'll challenge the couples that send me to the guy. Can you be the spiritual leader of this home? And if it's like lights in a deer's face, a spiritual what? So I have to take a little time and go, okay, there's going to be a little issue here, right? Because they're clueless. Same with the spouse. Now, number three. Married and divorced prior to becoming a Christian. That may be a strange one to you. Well, the woman at the well is absolutely an example. If she would get married again, could she get remarried? Yes, because all of that happened, what, before she came to Christ. All things are, and all things are brand new. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm going to get married. I'm giving up salvation. I'm going to get married five or seven times, and then I'll get married again. That's foolishness. Sin, choose to suffer. Number four, the former spouse initiated the divorce and has remarried. Maybe you're a single. Now, spouse divorced you, left, million reasons. They've now remarried. Well, then we feel, obviously, that you're free then to remarry. You were the innocent party. That person did it. You can remarry. Now, what if you're a Christ follower and you divorced outside these biblical grounds, these two biblical grounds. What do you do? And you've gotten remarried. Maybe you never even heard the teaching before. You had no clue about any of this. By the way, you won't hear this. A lot of churches, people don't want to address it. It's messy. It's sticky. But it's the word of God. Here's what you do. You ask forgiveness. God, I'm sorry. I went against your word. Maybe I didn't even know that. I'm still sorry. I know it now. So God, I ask for your forgiveness. And then what you do is you stay in the marriage. Well, maybe I need a divorce. No, 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 you stay in the marriage. I know the divorce isn't going to make anything right. So you ask forgiveness and you stay in the marriage. We used to do this in the church. We're not recommending this. But guys, we're into God's grace. So if that happened, then what we say, just stay in the marriage and be the best married couple you can be. Go for it. That's what I call grace. So I want you to write this down. This is the way we face the Bible. 
because I believe this is true. Sin always has consequences. We're not light on sin. God isn't light on sin. But God gives new starts. That's called grace. If God didn't give new starts, would there be anybody here in this room? No. I'd be teaching to nobody. I'd be here. I'm perfect. (laughs) Yeah, right. There'd be nobody in this room, and you wouldn't be out there either. Thank God for his grace. So we have to be careful. The church sometimes are our worst enemy, condemning people. But remember, let me just take a moment quickly to go back. Remember what Jesus said? If you even look at a woman or a man with lust, you've already what? And see, this we discover in the homes been going on for years. Deacons, pastors, everything's fine. No, it isn't fine. They've been living in sin. It's a disaster in their marriage. And that's why we ask you to pray for all the pastors are here. Because over and over and over and over again, since the beginning of time, we find spiritual leaders falling because they can hide it in whatever. So if you're here and you divorced and it wasn't biblical, you can't do anything. It's spilled milk. What are you going to do with it? You can't pick it up. So what do you do? You learn from it. You ask God's forgiveness. And you change. You become a godly person. Now, the rest of the chapter, I'm going to summarize very quickly for you. Because some of it, it seems strange to us. But I think I'll be able to help you with principles. Because of time, we'll just do this. I'll look, look at verse... By the way, there was, again, lots of misunderstandings in this culture. So look at verse 17. Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is the rule I lay down in the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. You can say that if you're not a man, but (laughs) forget it. But uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's command is what counts. So why would Paul even talk about this? Because here's what people were thinking. They're Gentile. I become a believer. Quite a few of these Jews are circumcised. I guess I need to be circumcised. Paul says, no, no. And then maybe you're a Jewish person, and you see that many of the Christians now don't have to be. Well, I'm going to be uncircumcised. And even in those days, they were, I don't know how that worked, but they were uncircumcising. There was a surgery for it. So Paul says, no, wherever you find yourself... It isn't about changing, it's changing of the heart. Just remain how you are. That's huge for us because there's a lot of things that happen in our life. You'll see more as we go on. Now notice, each one should remain in the situation, the lifestyle, wherever you are, which he was in, she was in when God called him. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the challenges some in the Corinthian church had You'd learn that some people were married to unbelievers and weren't sure whether to stay in their marriages or not. The Apostle Paul helped them understand what God's view of their situation was, and they were given directions on how best deal with each of their conditions. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. 
For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will be finishing his teaching on the second half of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He'll continue speaking about the difficulties that happen in all marriages. Now as a Christ follower, you should best work your way through life. You'll find out better ways to love all people and care for them the way that God intended and wants you to love them. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast from all of the production team here at Lessons for Living. We want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.